God blesses us to be a blessing. And when we wake up in the morning, we want to ask the question to God, who do you want me to bless today? And when you do that, you make yourself available and then God takes over and there's transformation, there's love and there's an adventure because none of us know what a day brings, but we know that God has blessed us to bless other people. And as we do that together, we can change a culture in a community, we can change a culture in the city and we like to celebrate what God's doing through the blessed stories. And we're also celebrating, this is Thanksgiving week, right? And we're giving thanks to God uh, for the baptisms, the stories, And then last service, there was someone who was baptized. His name was Doug. And Doug just put his trust in Christ a couple weeks ago um, here at Grace. And in the service, he raised his hand. Now, here's an interesting thing. Doug and Cecilia were married about 25 years ago. And they hit some hard times in their marriage, and they were divorced. Now, uh, Doug has decided to put his trust in Jesus, and they have just been remarried here at Grace. Amazing. So really kind of in the honeymoon phase, he's getting baptized. Why? Because he wants to express now he's following Jesus and now their marriage is centered on Jesus. You just can't make that stuff up, right? And we're not making it up. It's just what Jesus is doing. And we're thanking the Lord for all the things he's doing in all of our lives together. We're a church family walking together, many generations, cultures. We're coming together to follow Jesus. And also, I was going to ask for your prayers. The World Cup starts today. Anyone know what that is? That, that's my bias right there. I'm not going to ask you to pray for any specific teams. No, no problem with that. Uh, World Cup, soccer, about 5 billion people going to be watching the World Cup. Maybe not as many in this room. I don't know. But this is what I'm asking. We have an incredible digital media outreach team and we've made content and it's being distributed already. And we've seen thousands of responses for people indicating that they're starting a relationship with Jesus already. And the tournament hasn't even started yet. It starts today. So God is on the move. And that's simply, we wanna go to where people are. That's in person and online, where you live, work, learn, or play. People are hungry for God right now. They're looking for hope. They're interested in Jesus. And if you just simply share the gospel clearly and loving, people are going to respond. Because when you lift up Jesus, he draws people to himself. And around the world, God is doing something amazing in our days. In the last five years, it's incredible what's happening around the world. So don't be discouraged. Don't let your head go down, but continue to trust Jesus and be courageous in this culture for him. That's what Timothy's doing. We're in a series called Empowered, and we're coming up to the last two weeks in the series, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Paul is the mentor. God empowers us to also empower other people. Today, we're going to look at the finish line because all of us have a finish line. When our days run out, that finish line is very significant, and we want to think through it today from some different angles. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for those God, who are baptized today. We thank you for those who are making decisions online to follow you, and we pray for that discipleship. God, we thank you for all of our families. We pray during this time we would not hold back our thanks to you, God. We would not be stingy with our thanks, God, but together we're grateful for every blessing, every breath, God, every opportunity to bless someone and lead and guide this time by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. When you're running a race, you look forward to a finish line. And a finish line is significant. And that finish line can bring motivation. It can bring acceleration. It can bring direction. A finish line can help you when you feel tired just to remember that this too shall pass and that God's gonna be faithful to get me to the finish line. 
Now, when it comes to Paul's life, he's at the finish line right here. He's imprisoned and he knows that he's gonna be killed. He's gonna be a martyr and it won't be long. So the clock's ticking. There aren't many days left. He's not sure exactly how many, but these are kind of his last words and he's pouring out his heart. Usually with perspective, we think of today and then look ahead, what's coming later today? What's coming this week? And we take that perspective. But today we're gonna flip things around and start at the finish line and then look back because that's what Paul's doing. He's at the finish line, he's looking back and he's celebrating. There's a lot to celebrate when he's at the finish line. And that look back is important. And it's helpful to shift our perspective and even our paradigm. We always wanna align with God. It's kind of backwards engineering. You know, my, my wife, Lori, did some backwards engineering. We hung up our Christmas lights. Say, so, well, how did we get to that? And there's more in our neighborhood doing it because she was thinking ahead. It's not raining right now. Rain will come. We have family flying in this week from out of town. They're not here yet. And it was like, you start to put the pieces together and the Christmas lights are up. Now, uh, the principle there is that your light often shines brighter if you do some backwards engineering. And that's true in life. If you think and start at the finish line and what's gonna be your legacy, what's gonna be your story, what do you want that to be like? And then align with God and start to think through, okay, how does that affect today? And what Paul is celebrating, I think we can celebrate these things. What Paul focuses on, we can focus on these things because they're from God. Four of them stand out. The first one is this, the power of God and his word. God's word gives us direction. We need direction. We're like sheep without a shepherd. If we pull away from Jesus and don't abide, we wander, we go astray. God's word gives us direction. Listen to chapter two, 2 Timothy chapter three, verse 16. And this is a verse that we need in our world today. All scripture is God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathed means that God is the source of his word. It is God inspired. That's what it literally means. And it comes from God, so it's pure, it's trustworthy, it's fully from God and reliable. It is truth, it is the authority, it's our true source, it's also filled with love, it's relational, and we need it because it's beneficial for our souls every day. In this book, which is actually 66 books, in this book, you will find nourishment for your soul. If your soul is hungry, we don't live by bread and food alone or buffets alone. We live by the word of God and it'll have nourishment to build up your soul. In addition to that, uh, this book is the standard and the standard doesn't change. The culture always wants to try to redefine the standard and say the standard's fluid. I think the standard should be this. Well, the standard doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. It's eternal and it's the standard. It's also relationship and relational and trust is at the core. As you read God's word, the key decision is you learn who God is and what he's done. And then you learn about who you are and your identity in him. And then what you can do, the key will be as you read God's word, do you trust God? And it's relational when you read this book and you're seeking God, you're drawing close to God. It's also our playbook because without a playbook, you know, we just go in some crazy directions, don't we? There's a book in the Bible, the book of Judges. And it said about that time, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
It's like the wild, wild west, except not the wild, wild west that you kind of like some movies maybe from. It's the wild, wild west where everyone in their own eyes and perspectives does whatever they want. Would you agree there's some of that going on today? Everyone's doing what they want. When that happens in a culture, there will be chaos and confusion. I guarantee it. But when we are aligned with God, there is peace and joy and righteousness. And one of the defining decisions in your faith is, am I really going to trust this book and really going to trust God and his word when the rubber hits the road? And we're at that crossroads as a culture right now. So it's not about, you know, what do I think? What do I feel? What do I want it to be? Okay, God, you're wrong. I'm right. God, I'm changing you on this one. That's, that's going to lead to chaos and confusion in a culture and in a family. But there's peace and there's harmony when we're looking to Jesus and following him. And this word equips us. It empowers us. What does that mean? That word equip means to fully furnish. That God is gonna provide everything you need. His grace is sufficient. He's gonna provide everything you need to be faithful to him today. And this word is gonna build you up and empower you, make you capable in tough situations. And when I think of the word furnish, I go back to, I bought a condominium at age 30. It was in Iowa and it was a little out of my price range, but I prayed and thought, okay, God wants me to have it. I didn't have furnishings. I didn't have, you know, the dishes, the furniture, didn't have the decorations on the wall. And so I couldn't really say, come on over to everybody because there's no place to really sit. I didn't have the furnishings, but then I went to Goodwill and I found a picture of Michael Jordan on a poster, Duncan from the free throw line. And I, and I hung that up on the wall and I'm like, okay, we're good. Furnishings are set, let's go, let's go. That changed the bachelor pad. Now we can have some, some people over. Furnishings, it's what God empowers you with and provides because he calls you to things. He's already set opportunities this week in your path that you're gonna walk into. And when you're walking and the word's in you and you're in alignment with God, filled with the spirit, God is gonna do amazing things. Notice it's the word and the spirit. The word is not God. The Bible is not God. Uh, The Bible, the written Bible is not God. It's eternal, it's an incredible gift, but it's not God. The Holy Spirit is God. And when you read the Bible, you're gonna see, how do I live that out? And there's gonna be some tension there. And then the Bible drives you to the Holy Spirit because you're like, what I'm reading there, I agree with, and that's good, but I just can't seem to pull it all off in my own strength. And that's exactly right. So the word helps you realize you need to rely on the spirit and then the spirit empowers you to live out the word. Notice these four verbs, teach, rebuke, correct, and train. Teach, this is how to do it, informing us. Rebuke saying we're off track, correct, bring us back and train so we can walk in that way. Those four verbs are important and you can choose part of your life. Purity, purity. God is pure, so he teaches us about purity and holiness. And we realize when we learn about his purity, my thoughts and my actions have often been impure. And so God rebukes us in love, corrects us and says, come back, Come back, and then this is how you walk in purity, and he trains us to walk in purity. What about forgiveness? God forgives us. He's a forgiving and gracious God, so we learn about forgiveness and how important it is to forgive everyone. But then what happens? We drift into resentment, and God rebukes us and says, no, that's not the way. I have a better way, and he calls us back to let go of the bitterness, corrects us, and trains us how to forgive everyone fully. And if you aren't forgiving everyone fully, you're gonna have unnecessary headaches in your marriage and in your family and in your church because you haven't forgiven yet, even though Jesus has forgiven you. So he trains us. 
You have gifts. God is gracious. He's given you many gifts. You have many abilities, many. Don't ever let anyone or the enemy tell you you don't have abilities. You're incredibly gifted. And so from that, what happens? Sometimes we try to use the gifts for our own glory. Sometimes we try to use the gifts in our own strength apart from God. Other times we're lazy or we're just not using our gifts and we're just sitting there when we could be making a difference in this world. So God rebukes us corrects us and says, I have things for you. Your name's on them. And I'm gonna empower you and train you so you can use your gifts every day to build up other people, build up the kingdom and make a difference in this world. Are you tracking those four verbs? Does that make it clear? He, he teaches, rebukes, corrects, and trains. All that happens through his word. So what does that tell me? I need to spend some time in the word. And I need the word in me because I wanna grow. I wanna grow in my faith. And hearing the word, the word's gonna build up my faith, be a doer of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul's looking back and saying, that's how my life changed. I was righteous, self-righteous. I was full of myself, dead religion. But you know what? I experienced Jesus. And the word, it started to make this difference in my life. And now Timothy, it's the word, Timothy. You gotta be in the word. And Timothy, you're gonna pass this word on to others. And all of this is what God's doing through his word. We need his word today. Don't let your Bible collect dust or on your phone, don't skip that app. But instead, we want everyone to have God's word. Did you know right now in the world, there's about 6,000 languages that don't have the Bible? I'm so grateful for Bible translators, even in our own church, Bible translators, because everyone should have the Bible, God's word in their native tongue. Here's what's exciting. Through technology, even through Zoom, the Bible is now being translated quicker than ever before. There's an acceleration as we get closer to Christ's return. And now like over Zoom, someone who knows English can speak their language. It can be um, captured right away, translated quicker. It, there's a speed to it. And also pray because there's about 700 deaf languages, sign languages for deaf people, and 700, 700 different ones. They don't have the Bible. So God is breaking through and providing his word. Why? Because we have a God who pursues us personally, who pursues us with his presence and his word. And God is doing that around the world. And it's accelerating, it's exciting. God's word is getting to everyone around the globe. So the power of God's word is something to celebrate in your life and how it's transformed you and how you've seen it move in other people's life. Here's the second one. And it's the people that you have developed. In 2 Timothy chapter four, starting in verse one, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. That's right. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men and women will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Developing people, Paul makes a bold charge. He says, I charge you. That means this is serious and that means he's sincere and it's for the kingdom. There's a calling on your life, Timothy. And I hope you know there's a calling on your life through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit. And so be ready, he says, in season and out of season. What does that mean? Be ready, not just when you're in church or on Sunday morning, but be ready in your neighborhood where you live, work, learn, or play to pass on what you've received. Teaching doesn't mean you have a pulpit. Teaching doesn't mean it's a classroom. Teaching doesn't mean there's PowerPoint. 
Teaching is when you pass on what you've received over the years. Be ready in all situations. During the week, be ready with a word. Be ready to pass it on to encourage and build up other people. And that's gonna go beyond your own feelings. There's gonna be some days we don't feel like passing it on. But you know what? Be faithful to Jesus. There's gonna be responses in the culture that sometimes initially intimidate you, maybe even scare you, and you think, now I've gotta be quiet. But no, don't give in to that pressure. Rise above it. And here's why. Your faithfulness is directly linked to God blessing many other people. Your faithfulness today is directly linked. Whenever you're faithful to Jesus, many people are blessed. More people than you ever realize. Whatever God's calling you to do, you do it in love and truth and blessings multiply. And your faithfulness is linked to other people receiving God's blessings. We need each other and we need the truth. Five times in 1 Timothy, Paul says truth. Six times in 2 Timothy, Paul says truth. So be firm in your conviction. Be firm in your calling. Be strong with compassion and live this out. And you say, well, that sounds difficult. I'm telling you today, it will be uncomfortable. It absolutely will be uncomfortable. Not only that, it'll often be unpopular. It'll be risky and it'll often be inconvenient. Do you still wanna live it out? Because there's a lot of people like, oh, did you say inconvenient and unpopular and risky? I think I'm gonna take a different elective. I don't think that's, that's mine right there. Well, that's how Jesus lived, Paul, Timothy. That's how it's always going to be. And when a culture drifts further away from God, you can just kind of crank it up a little more. And when you take all that in, um, there's people today, I'll mention this, there's people today in Northern Nigeria that we need to pray for. Why? Because there's militia coming in and they don't know, your brothers and sisters don't know if they're gonna be around for another day. There's pastors there who are saying, I know God's called me here, he's blessing the ministry, but I don't know if they're gonna come in and kill me today. I know I'm going to heaven, I'm prepared, but I don't know how long I'll live. And that's a reality they're living in and they're trying to decide, do I shrink back in my faith or do I keep living for Jesus in that context? And that's true of countless people, brothers and sisters around the world. And we hear those stories and it reminds us what Paul is going through here and what Timothy is gonna go through and the apostles went through, it's still very much a reality today. So in sometimes cushy America, let's not just coast. Let's remember what we're reading, the realities of today, and let's run with unity and courage together. As you do that, not everyone's gonna say, oh, thank you so much. Because the same truth then, the same truth today. People had itching ears. I'm guessing you haven't used the phrase itching ears in the last month. Uh, what is itching ears? What's that all about? Itching ears is this. I only want you to tell me what I want to hear. That's itching ears. Now, you don't have to think of specific people, but I'll tell you, itching ears are quite common and popular in our culture. I only want to hear selective hearing. I only want to hear what I want to hear because truth resides in me. I define it and I don't have any time for you if you don't line up with me. I'll cancel you if you don't line up with me. Itching ears. And in Micah chapter two, verse 11, in the Old Testament, 
The prophet says this, if a liar and a deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the prophet for this people. Well, what does that mean? If somebody shows up and they're looking to be popular and they say, I've got a word from God for you, you take whatever you want. You live however you want. You run after every pleasure because it's all about you. Don't you get it? It's all about you feeling good, looking good. The whole world's about you. And the crowd goes, yeah, that's what we love to hear. That's our message. It's all about me and what I want. God, I'm so grateful that you just fully endorse every desire I have. Finally, we got the order right. That's the false God for the culture. That would be just the perfect false God. The only problem is it's not true. It's just not true. And you can't change God and you can't change truth no matter how hard you wrestle with God and wrestle with truth. But this is what God does. He'll raise up a remnant. In the next verse, we see, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. In verse 13, the one who breaks open, the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, the Bible says. There's a good shepherd, we listen to his voice. What God does in every generation and throughout the scripture, he raises up a remnant. No matter how far the culture drifts, there's a remnant of people who will listen to the good shepherd and that remnant will be alive and they will live abundant life. They will have a light and a love that's greater than the culture and they walk humbly with God, not better than anyone else, but that remnant brings revival when they're sold out to Jesus. I believe God's calling for a remnant. And you say, well, that remnant thing sounds interesting. What, what does that look like? Well, verse four, Paul says to Timothy, and uh, we're in chapter four, uh, right after their itching ears, he says, but you, and that's with sincerity and seriousness. Again, but you, Timothy, contrast, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of evangelist, Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Okay, well, what does that mean? Keep your head, be cool-headed. Have a non-anxious presence. Patience. Walk with a cool head when the storms come. Well, well, what else? Endure hardship, because there's gonna be a lot of it. So endure hardship. What else? Lead people to Jesus, because they're starving. They're starving. Their souls are starving. So don't be silent, lead people to Jesus. This is the remnant. Be faithful and reliable, empower people around you, walk together in unity. You know, what's interesting. I've been in the church for a long time now. I didn't grow up going to church at all. So I remember when it was all new to me, maybe you're here and it's new to you. This book's new, the songs are new. Uh, You're taking a great step of faith just coming here and we're honored that you're here. And I've been in the church for a while now and I'll describe two different kind of approaches and perspectives. Here's one approach is that people when it comes to serving are kind of like, ah, it's just church. I mean, if I show up late when I'm supposed to serve, it's just church. I mean, if I skip it and don't tell anyone I'm not gonna make it today, it's just church. I mean, they're just, it's church. If they get a little from me, they should be grateful because I mean, it's just church. 
it's not my job. It's not something you take seriously. You just kind of, I don't know, serve when you feel like serving, whatever, it's church. That's one approach. The other approach is that what we do here, it's unto Jesus. And if nobody watches, I don't need the applause because I'm doing this under the Lord. And when I do it under the Lord, I'm doing it with all my heart. And if I say I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna be there. If I say I'm gonna love kids, I'm gonna love kids. If I say I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray because this is under the Lord. It's not for anyone else here. I'm just doing this for Jesus out of great gratefulness in my heart to Jesus. Do you, do you see that difference right there? There's a whole lot of this kind of thing. Going, well, church should just be grateful. I lifted this one chair today. Who else is gonna thank me for that? Or, Lord, if no one else sees me, I'm going to stack this whole row. I'm going to stack it right and make sure the things don't fall off on the bottom of the chair because it's for you, Lord. And, and there's a big difference there. We, we got to think through this. And Timothy hears from Paul, this is all for Jesus. Maybe you need to check your motives today. Is it all for Jesus and gratitude and love for him? Paul's going to take Timothy under his wing. He's teachable. He's going to build him up. He's going to empower him. And you gotta empower some people. When you get to the end of your life, you're gonna look back and it's gonna be like, okay, who did I empower? Who did I develop? Who did I train? Who did I build up? Who did I disciple? Like that's what you're gonna be looking at and celebrating at the end of your life. And so we take that finish line and we look back. You know, I think of, I heard the story this week, Jim Valvano, who is a basketball coach, college basketball coach, North Carolina State. I was a fan as I watched that team. They had one of the greatest runs in the, in the history of the NCAA tournament, NC State won the national championship. And then Jim Valvano died uh, young and died of cancer and inspired many people. Now he tells a story and it was about him and his dad and it was a conversation, a courageous conversation. Do you remember the time when you told your parents, maybe you had a conversation where you told them, this is what I think I'm going to do this is what I think my job's gonna be. This is the direction I think I'm going. And for some of you, you told your parents and your parents were just like, amazing, wonderful. And others had reactions that just tested you to the core. And Jim Bovano shared, dad, I am gonna coach college basketball. That's what I'm gonna do. And there's some dads in this room who'd be like, yes, I've been praying decades for that. Season tickets. And there's others that would step up and say, uh, you're wasting your time. You're wasting, how are you gonna pay the bills? That's wasting your education. You know, and you're gonna get that speech. Some of us just didn't have dads that responded either way. There just weren't dads in the picture, but there's different responses. This is what Jim Valvano's dad did. The next day, Jim woke up and there was a suitcase sitting out that was fully packed. And Jim said, dad, what's going on with the suitcase? Where are you going? How come the suitcase is all packed up? And his dad said, I packed that suitcase so I'll be ready to go to the final four when your team's there. Note that, dad. Note that one. You don't think that Jim's gonna remember that for the rest of his life? that dad's in his corner, that dad cares, that dad supports, that dad's empowering him. That's an important conversation. As parents, we don't force kids into the mold that we want them to be. We celebrate how God's wired them and empower them to be all God's designed them to be because ultimately they're God's and not ours, amen? So let's develop the next generation. Let's build up kids and grandkids well. The next one is the pouring out of your life for God's kingdom. 
And now again, you don't hear pouring out your life too often. That phrase, because in America so often it's me, more, me, a lot more. More of me, more about me, and, and more. And what we don't hear is pour out your life. But that's the gospel. That's Jesus. Like pour your life for kids that don't have food and water. Like bless the nations and pour out what you have for the nations and your community. And people are alone. You pour out your life for them. Well, this is what Paul says at the end of his life. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He uses athletic metaphors and says that life is kind of like a fight. Following Jesus, it feels like a fight in this world. So what happens in a fight? Sometimes you get beat up, right? If you're here today and you feel kind of beat up by the world, that's what Paul's talking about right here. He fought the fight and he took some hits. And I ran the race. This isn't just a quick little sprint, like we're running the race. There's a finish line. And what happens when you run a race? You get really tired, don't you? You ever run a long race? Maybe you're here today and you're tired. And that metaphor encourages you because God's gonna help you fight the good fight. Run the race before your departure. That's a euphemism for death, sometimes called sleep in the Bible. And so finishing on, pouring out his life. Numbers chapter 15, there's a drink offering and they pour out wine around the base of the altar to honor the Lord. And that's the image from the Old Testament. Paul's thinking back, pouring out the wine at the altar to honor the Lord. Pouring out my life as an offering to Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five, what does pouring out look like? It says, if we are out of our mind, there's another reality check. When you go all out for Jesus, people are gonna say, you're crazy. You're too into Jesus. You're too generous. Well, when they say we're out of our mind, or as some say, it is for God, if we are in our right mind, it's for you, for Christ's love compels us. May nothing compel us more than the love of Jesus. If anything else, your reputation, you know, if other things are compelling you, shift. Because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. There's the pouring it out. But for him who died for them and was raised again. Also notice in James chapter five, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, it's not hard to find that in the sound. Someone said the sound is kind of like a fully stocked fishing uh, reservoir. It's not hard to see Maybe who you could reach out to, bring them back to God. If someone wanders from the truth, someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What was Paul doing as he poured out his life? Well, again, he's someone who sinned against Jesus, came to know Jesus and still sins, we still sin. But in the middle of our growth and our learning and even our sinning, We can reach out and help others be reconciled to God and help people turn from sin to the Savior. In fact, I'll say this, if you pour out your life for Jesus, what you're gonna look back over your life and see and celebrate is that there's so many people who turn from sin to the Savior. 
because God used you and you started to act like an attitude and words and actions kind of like Jesus as the hands and feet of Jesus. And they saw Jesus in you and they saw something they didn't have. And they're like, this is greater than the sin that's destroying my life. And I want to know this God who's the life that truly brings life. That's your legacy looking back. People are turning from sin to the Savior. And why you pour your life out. Uh, there's someone, uh, one of our international partners, Colson, and he's back right now. Uh, Colson was serving in Grace Kids and served our children so well. It was not easy to say, okay, Colson, next step is overseas. But you know, in the Bible, so often the best leaders in a church would go into another location. Uh, we hold everyone just loosely. And Colson went to Vanuatu. So served Jesus here, poured out his life for the kids here, and then went to Vanuatu, where he started to lead the youth there, camps of like 60 kids coming, uh, discipleship. And then there's, um, you know, storms that came, did a lot of damage, they built houses. Now uh, in Vanuatu, education's expensive. Not all the kids can afford it. So there's people just standing around and need something to do. So Colson, he's gifted in carpentry. He's gifted as a mechanic. What he does is he sets it up so there's training involved. And then they talk about God too. They're getting practical skills. And as that happens in Vanuatu, there's leaders being raised up. There's youth with a hope and open doors. Why? Because it doesn't matter whether you're in Auburn or Vanuatu. You pour out your life and you empower other people and you build them up for the glory of God. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what Timothy's talking about. Ephesians 5, find out what God's will is and answer that call. Slow down this week. Listen to God's voice. What has your name on it? And answer the call. I'm so grateful for the many people who are driving to Green River Sunday mornings because we have lines of international students so excited to come here to Grace but don't have a car and so many of you have talked to Melanie and Dave Kanashiro and said, I can help with a ride. I can help with the ride. I'm so grateful for people that come early and serve with the kids or stay after nine o'clock and serve with the middle school and pouring out their lives, passing on to the next generation. I'm grateful for, uh, I'm thinking of two families that have said, okay, you know what? I'm a little further along in life, uh, seasoned, experienced, and I don't know how much long I'm gonna be here, but I know in my will and trust, I wanna include Grace Community Church because this ministry and how God's changing lives. And I can't tell you how much that blesses the facility and the ministry. I'm thinking of someone in our church who works in the marketplace and he has a role where he travels some, does a lot of training, serves his company well, and has the opportunity to have conversations and meet people. And I'm celebrating that he uh, has seen seven people now put their trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, when you have a readiness to pour out your life for other people and glorify God, there's no limits to what God can do. Psalm 90, the prayer is, teach us to number our days aright. If I asked you today, what do you want said at the end of your days? The story, the legacy. Are you on that path with God right now or are there some shifts? Are there some shifts? What's God speaking to you today? You know, so often we view life as transactional. Well, I'll give you seven if you give me seven. I'll give you seven if I can get nine from you. I'll give you seven if I can maybe get nine and then steal another two. Jesus, it's not transactional, it's spiritual. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If you're always counting and think you always have to have more, it could be time to check the heart and come back to Jesus 
And uh, the last one is the personal rewards that are coming from God. Verse six, we see uh, the last verse or verse eight in the last verse. Now there is, this is what Paul says, end of his life. There's in store for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. Do you ever wonder why God's always talking about rewards? And you read through the Bible, rewards, for, in rewards in heaven, rewards in heaven, rewards in heaven, rewards in heaven, rewards in heaven. It's almost like God wants us to notice that as you read the Bible, right? They're real and it's to motivate. It's for acceleration and direction. God's provision. How do you measure success? And Paul is about to depart, be with Jesus. And remember, death is just an entryway into the resurrection life. It's just an entryway. There's a reality of heaven. And when I went to Dallas and I was at a church, I was the only white person at the church and I learned so much. I had an idea of funerals. They were short and they were sad. And I experienced funerals that were full and there was weeping and mourning and there was celebration. There's a homecoming because there is sadness when someone leaves and is in heaven, but there's a hope greater than the sadness. And there was tears and there was dancing and there was praise and there was a fullness and it was biblical. And there's a hope that's greater than the challenges we're going through. I'll say this about heaven. One thing that's gonna be so clear is when you transition from this life to the next, everything you've done for Jesus, you're gonna say it was worth it. It was worth it for Jesus. And if you're wondering, you know, a lot of people do, how good is heaven? It will be that good and so much better than however good you describe it and read in the Bible, like our minds can't. You say, well, how long will heaven last? It'll last that long and then much, much longer. It'll be worth it for Jesus. It'll be that good. It'll be that long. As far as your mind can conceive time, that's just a start in heaven. So this life is short, what Paul's saying. And what we do in this life matters the finish line, finishing well with Jesus, answering the call. I wanna give an invitation right now. If you're here today and you've heard now about a relationship with Jesus and you haven't made a decision yet, we had someone last service, people online, they're raising their hands. I'm gonna ask you in a minute to raise your hand and begin a relationship with Jesus. That hand simply expresses your will and desire to follow Jesus. It's not earned. It's not through performance or religion. It's grace and undeserved gift. Jesus died for your sins and he's risen. And by lifting your hand, you're just telling God, God, I wanna put my trust in you, Jesus, and follow you. And uh, you're not gonna have to stand up, say anything, do anything. After the service, you can come talk to me or the prayer team. But right now, I just wanna pray for you if you're ready. So go ahead, if you're ready to make a first time decision to follow Jesus today, you wanna know you're going to heaven. Just lift up your hand and online right now, lift up your hand as well. That's it. You just lift up your hand and I'm gonna pray for you. God, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you reach out to us. You rescue us, you save us, you forgive our sins, you call us into your family. Thank you for peace with you, God. And I thank you for everyone who's making a first-time decision to follow you today. And God, we wanna walk with you together. I pray as we have this moment right now, God, that we would hear your voice and answer the call in your strength. God, thank you for giving us a perspective from the finish line today and help us to shift and align with you 
to make the most of the opportunities to bring you glory, Jesus, together. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen.